I committed to Penn State um, with basically no scholarship. We only had my dad basically made a promise to me was he'll help me get through that first year. But then after that, like if I hadn't earned my stripes, like I'd have to transfer. I, we, we couldn't, you know, support another year. So I had to go like all in that year and try to try to figure out how I was going to like earn a scholarship. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is 2019 NCAA champion Anthony Kassar. Anthony is set to make his MMA debut on November 19th. In this conversation, we talk about Anthony's upbringing in Jersey, wrestling the great Gable Stevenson, and what he's been up to after his time at Penn State. Hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to our friend SPF at HBJJ. It's a recent Apple podcast review. Five-star review. Thank you so much, SPF, at HBJJ, for the review. And thank you to everyone who's left an Apple podcast review. This episode is brought to you by the Frog Ninja Wrestling Club. They're having their preseason kickoff camp featuring Morgan McIntosh. It's in Oxford, PA, November 12th through the 13th. Go to frogninjawrestlingclub.com to register. Tell them we sent you. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Anthony Kassar. We're here with Ant the Champ, Anthony Kassar. How you doing, my man? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, I'm excited too, man. First of all, just saw that the first MMA fight was announced. When's it going down? Where are you fighting? Let the people know. November 19th, it's going to be with uh, George Masvidal's Icon FC. Uh, this will be my first MMA fight, be amateur uh, debut. And uh, they're looking at two locations right now. So uh, I'll announce that soon. But yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm uh, I'm ready to go. It's been it's been a minute since I competed. So I'm getting Dude, excited. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you've had a so you had an injury at the senior nationals. Was that yeah. Yeah. the most recent re- rehab? Yep. Yeah. Back in uh, 2020. Got so, it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I broke the uh, the shoulder on that one, so it was a, a long recovery. But um, thankfully, I'm feeling 100 percent now, so back to uh, the ready to compete. And where are you located right now? You you you're Penn State still? Yeah, yep, State College full time. So okay, 
I wasn't sure if you and Bo were down in Miami or if you guys were based out of a state college and kind of moving around based on training. Yeah. Yeah. We bounce around a bit. Um, Cali sometimes Miami sometimes. Um, but yeah, American top team, happy Valley is, is home base. Nice man. Yeah. That facility there is awesome. And dude, just going down your background, you know, I didn't know a lot about you until 2019 and, uh, everyone remembers that year. I mean, what a season. Take us back to the early days, man. Do you have a big family growing up, small family? What was it like for you? Yeah, big family. Some would say uh, three brothers, three sisters. And uh, yeah, all the boys were wrestlers. My dad was a wrestler. Um, Introduced it to us when we were young. Kind of showed us a video of uh, one guy picking up another and slamming them and asked us if we wanted to do it. And of course, a bunch of little boys would say yes. So um, I, I took a liking to it really early and uh i was around the sport i like to say since i was young like six or seven um wrestling since then but i didn't really make the full commitment to it until like sophomore year of high school um is when i actually started like training year round and and wrestling in tournaments so that's kind of why i was a late bloomer um in high school and college and felt like i was just kind of catching up to people and uh took me till those senior years in both high school and college to to finally achieve my goal so yeah always around it and then finally start taking it serious mid uh mid high school yeah that's crazy to think the uh the uh, the you know you you win state your senior year after quote i don't know if this is true or not but they say no one in jersey's ever won state after not qualifying for state the year prior is that is that true i i, I heard i was the fourth person to do it to never qualify and then win it um so yeah there's only, there's only a couple of us but yeah it was, Dude. It was that. What I love about you is that even when your sophomore year, your junior year in high school, when people maybe aren't aware of you inside, your belief isn't any different. Like you're still believing the whole way through that you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. Probably came from my, my parents instilling that, that self-belief and confidence. Um, but I always had this unrealistic self-belief, I call it. And, uh, I always felt like I was the man when I wasn't. And, yeah. uh, that helped me a lot because it, uh, you can't get somewhere until you feel it. Um, you know, everyone's, you know, uh, talking about manifestation and and visualization, but that image doesn't do anything unless you like truly feel it. It's that, that attaching that emotion to it. Um, that really translates that, that, that law of attraction. And so that helped me out a lot, even, you know, when I was, when I was nothing and just coming up and grinding, um, always feeling like I was the man and, and I was, you know, at the champ and I was going to achieve my goal. I felt like closed that distance um, faster than than it, it possibly could. Yeah, there was a there was a video I watched probably like eight years ago when I was first getting into the work world. And it was Will Smith saying not to be realistic. And that's the first time I ever heard someone say that, like, you can't yeah. be realistic if you want to do anything. And yeah. dude, just last night, my wife was like, no, nah, we need to be realistic. I'm like, I'm. I'm having a flashback to Will Smith. I'm like, you can't be realistic. You got to be unrealistic until it yeah. happens. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Everything, every dream, every, everyone's done anything special. Um, that, that thought and that imagination started off with an unrealistic dream. So um, that's just how it goes in, in this life. And then you close the distance and, and uh, continue to visualize and work. And eventually um, no one's calling them unrealistic anymore. Right. Now, before Coach Kale and Coach Casey got their hands on you, talk about the impact of your high school coach, Coach Everstein. Yeah, he was huge for me. So I had uh, Coach Franey was my head high school coach, and uh, I didn't have really a big guy to roll around with. So I made the jump from 170 to 195 from junior to senior year. 
And uh, I didn't really have, you know, someone to challenge me in the room. Montgomery, um, New Jersey wasn't a big wrestling area. You know, I was the the first uh, state placer um, to ever come through. And uh, so Coach Mark was was huge for me. He was a state finalist and a uh, 220-pounder, and he helped me out tremendously. And uh, it was a cool moment after I, I won that senior year because uh, – I know it was huge for him to lose that that match and then to help me win it. Uh, I know it meant a lot to him, so that was that was really cool to to give that to him. And then once you won that, you know, after like in the spring of your senior year, are you starting to get calls from colleges, or are you still unrecruited in that sense? Yeah, once I won it, I was I was getting some calls. Uh, I had like five or so visits set up, and uh, had some like local like Jersey schools offer me like full scholarships and stuff. And I was thinking about going to Ryder or Rutgers staying close. Um, but in the back of my mind, I knew that if I was going to achieve my goals, the, the best place for me to go was, was Penn state. Um, like I said, I was behind the curve. And so I felt like if I got around guys that were doing it, it would help me speed up that process uh, so much more. And so I took one visit to Penn state and then uh, just canceled my, the rest of them and, and committed and uh, just figured it out from there. So did, did those guys call you or you contacted them? Um, uh, one of my coaches, Dan Mayo, who was a national finalist for Penn State, he kind of made the connection and then they were interested. Um, and I remember Coach Kale calling me and kind of setting up the visit. And then once they showed some interest and I was just like, it's, it's game over. Like it's, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, once you get on campus, you're living with bro nickel from the, <laughs> from the jump, right? Yep. Yeah. Freshman roommate. So, um, the coaches had this weird way i don't know if it was luck but they matched everyone up perfectly like the freshman roommates of that class are still like best friends today so it's pretty cool and who were some of the guys coming in that first year we had me bo nolf um nick nevels you had uh shakur rashid um it was stacked we had like it was the number one recruiting class and there was like another like six or seven guys after that too and so, marsteller didn't come he was signed and didn't come right yeah. Yeah, yeah, I fell through that year. Um, yeah, so we had some studs. Wow. And so talk about your, you know, so I had Bo on recently, and he said, you know, he was, you know, on all these teams as a high schooler. He's traveling, he's training. So his transition was pretty smooth. Now, for you, what was that transition like, knowing that you felt like you were a little bit behind the curve? Did you see that, or was it okay for you? Yeah, I definitely saw that. Um, <laughs> I, didn't tra- <laughs> I didn't travel much either, like, I stayed in the New Jersey, New York area. Um, so leaving the, the big family, like that was tough. Um, going to some boondocks in, in Pennsylvania and, everyone, <laughs> and all these dudes are studs. Like it was definitely a culture shock. Um, and it took the family some have a going away party for you. The grandmother was there. She's. Oh, crying. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was home like every weekend after that, too. So um, it was tough at first. But every time I got into the room, I felt at home. And uh, a few months in, I would say I started like feeling like myself again and um, started learning the ropes. But yeah, coming in with at that point, too, there was like Morgan McIntosh, David Taylor, Quentin Wright, Ed Ruth. It was like all top notch dudes. So it was like great to get right in the mix. And Varner was there, too. Yeah, Varner. Yeah. I mean, he was my main practice partner for probably the two the first two years I was there and he was still competing. So it was uh, it was awesome for me to have him. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So you were still going back home on the weekends your first semester. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was that's super a, 
homesick yeah I, I was the same way when i left man i never forget i moved away and my grandmother had a party for me and she was sobbing the whole time it's like no one left where we were from you know so it's exactly. interesting to hear that you were you were the same situation exactly yeah i was the first one to ever it was like a, a family rule not you can't go you can't go away to college uh, <laughs> <laughs> my dad wanted to keep the the culture tight and uh i, had, I just had a you know a unique circumstance and uh so he let me go, but it was definitely, definitely different. I've been around my family all my life and we're very close. So it was tough. But like I said, when I was on the mat, everything made sense. Yeah. And did you make the junior world team your freshman year in 2015? Yeah. yeah so it's it a pretty crazy story because I committed to Penn State um, with basically no scholarship. And uh, we only had my dad basically made a promise to me was They'll help me get through that first year. But then after that, like if I hadn't earned my stripes, like I'd have to transfer. And I, we, we couldn't, you know, support another year. So I had to go like all in that year and try to try to figure out how I was going to like earn a scholarship. And uh, I made the junior world team. And so my master plan was I was going to medal in the, in the junior worlds and then Olympic redshirt the next year. So I wouldn't have to pay for, for school. And then from there, I could I could earn a scholarship. So I got the first step done, made the junior world team. I was in the quarterfinals uh, up six zero. So I just finished that match off and I you know, earned a medal. Plan's perfect. Um, the, the, the My opponent sneaks in like a takedown, grabs my arm and just rips it over my head. And that was when my my first shoulder injury happened. Um, and oh. yes, yeah, so that was in Brazil. And uh, yeah, my plans were shot. And I remember going home. And I was afraid to tell the coaches, but finally I just manned up and I was like, I called coach Kale. I was like, coach, like we have no money. Like I, uh, I can't do another year of, uh, of college. And, uh, he was like, I wish, I wish you told me this before. Like we could have like figured something out, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen for you. Like he helped me get a job and, uh, and, and I basically gray shirted that year, got healthy continue to train with NLWC and then, uh, you know, got a scholarship the following year. So it ended up working out, but my chips were all in at that point. Wow. So you were, you had not only the injury, but you had some financial hardships as well there on your mind during that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my pops and, uh, my sister, my grandpa, like everyone went all in for me that, that first year. Cause you know, outstate, outstate, uh, tuition for Penn state's expensive. I think it was like 45, 50 grand at the time. Right. And, uh, so they went, they all went, uh, all in for me. And then, uh, and then that second year, yeah, we just, we had nothing left. And so thankfully the coaches like stuck with me and, and, uh, we basically just, we just figured out a plan. And then the following year, um, I was back. So you didn't go to class that second year just so you could save up and, and work. Yeah, exactly. I just worked and got healthy and, uh, yeah, that was it. So what what kind of job was Anthony Kassar working back in the day? <laughs> it actually was a, a property management um, position. So there was an alumni. His name's Chad Dubin, uh, who is pretty successful out here with uh, real estate. And uh, so I worked at his property management company. I would train in the morning and then uh, go into work and work the phones. It was like me and uh, two other women that that worked the, the, the phones for the property <laughs> you know, company. And uh, I'd work there a few hours and then uh, go to practice. And so, yeah, he, he hooked me up too, but it was, uh, it was, it was a good learning experience. Man, that's cool because you're learning real estate at the same time. Exactly. And then and I, I fell in love with real estate a few, a few years later. So uh, it, it actually worked out. I, I learned a lot from that position. 
And so when did you have, so that's 2015, 2016. When did you have kind of the come to Jesus moment, April, 2017, or like what caused that to when you switched everything, you switched your diet, take us through that journey. Yeah. So the first, my first couple of years of, of college, I was working my butt off, but I was not doing the right things outside of the room. I didn't really see the connection. Like, um, growing up, it was, you know, kind of, you work hard, you get your, your, your stuff in and then go enjoy yourself. So, um, work hard, play hard. Exactly. And, <laughs> uh, and that's, that's good, but it's, uh, it's not a long-term play. And, uh, I remember just kind of having a revelation that, that year in 2017, where I just realized like, Hey, I'm, I'm two, almost three years into this and I'm not even close to achieving my goal. Um, and so I like really need to tailor everything in and, and the coaches have been preaching that since day one is all the little things is, you know, what are, what add up to, to the big moments. And so right when I made that decision to where I was going to tailor everything in my life towards that goal, um, you know, eating, sleeping, training, um, not going out on the weekends and just being hundred percent all in, uh, it really changed everything for me. Like it was a matter of, of months when I, I started seeing my progression just, going from like here up and down to just a straight incline. And uh, it, from there it was like maybe six, seven months later that I had that great year um, at 197 and, uh, you know, missed, missed the, the, the spot for nationals that year. But that led me into the, the senior year where everything kind of came together. So, yeah, making that decision to be all in um, changed everything for me. And did you have a second injury after Brazil? before that April, 2017. Yeah. So I was, uh, it was Brazil. And then exactly a year later, I was wrestling at the junior nationals, um, to make the world team again. And it was like my second match and I re-injured the shoulder. So it was like injury, financial hardship injury, and then made that decision. And then once I made the decision, everything started coming together. What? So you make the change and, I've read um, Bo Nichols say that you didn't miss a diet. You didn't miss a workout, even when you, this was kind of a lonely journey for you on the rehab. But like, so what was the change? Uh, was it sleep? Was it diet? Talk us through that. It was all that. Yeah. I mean, it was just looking at everything that I was doing and making sure that it aligned with who I said I wanted to be. Um, so if I say I want to be a national champ, I can't be getting six, seven hours of sleep at night. If I say I want to be a national champ, I can't be going out and drinking and, and going to parties on the weekends. Uh, if I say I want to be a national champ, I got to make sure I'm getting in my three to four meals at the time, you know, and making sure it's all dialed in nutritionally. So it was just everything I did, everything I thought and uh, everything that was going on in my life. I wanted to look at and uh, someone can be like, all right, he does want to be a national champ. And so during this process, are you one of those guys where you never have a morning where you don't want to do it? Or are you, are you like the rest of us normal people where you wake up sometimes and you're like, man, I don't want to do it today. And it was so, how do you get through that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's, there's less of those when you have a, a goal that you're like extremely excited about something that, you know, makes, makes the, the hair on your skin stand up. Like those kind of goals I think can, can prevent a lot of those days. If you don't have a goal like that, you're going to start realizing more and more like, you know, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. But that, that uh, high aspiration can like pull you through a lot of that and like make you not even realize it. But there's along with that, there's still 100% days where I would wake up 
feeling sore and tired and not want to move forward. And um, I just have to remind myself why I was doing it. And like I said, going back to that image and visualization, visualization of like that moment of me being on top um, is usually what, you know, gets me out of bed and, and gets me to work. Dude, I love it. Hey, give me one second, boss. The the lady just handed me our, our food order for the day. Give me one second here. I'm going to go with the... I'm going to have leftovers. Yeah. Yep. I'm good. Cool. All right, I'm back, dog. We'll, we'll cut that out. But no, that's... Uh, and, and like you have the excitement of the goal, but also, man, you are like around some of the alpha predators of the world and they're all doing it. It's like that has to have an impact too. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your environment's going to play a huge part in it. Um, and that's, that's the reason why I chose Penn state is it's, it's hard to slack off. And, uh, my goal was to, was to not even just match the level of those around me, but like Goggin says, David Goggin says, like become uncompromised, un uncommon people. It's Bro, like, you talk Goggins, you get me excited here, man. <laughs> there's there's at yeah. least two to three Goggins videos a week going back and forth between my brother and some of our friends. He's a, uh, He's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and so you, man, you mentioned that year, uh, that your, I don't know if, you know, with your junior, I don't know when it is for you, but to me, it's like the year before you won, would you consider that your junior year? Yeah. Yeah. You okay. All right. Yeah. Cause dude, I read an article after you won. It's like, he's got two more years. I'm like two yeah. more. So yeah. dude, that's a crazy year because this is the year of the epic team race between Ohio state and Penn state. And mm -hmm. that dual meet was hyped. It was yeah. crazy. You get the nod versus Colin Moore, number one at the time. You take out Colin Moore. Bro, what was the energy like in Rec? Was it Rec Hall or Bryce Jordan? Yeah, yeah it was Rec. Bro, that – and you had the busted nose and – Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you find yeah. out you were going to start? That's a crazy freaking story. Uh, I found out the night before, um, and there was a lot, like, leading into that, into that week. Like, I had lost – the wrestle off uh to Shakur like two days before um and it was like my third time that week we had like a two duels the previous weekend so it was like my third time making weight and uh I got the, the text the night the night before the duel and uh I think Shakur was kind of banged up and he was like you're up and I was like all right let's get it and uh the Who energy you Kale yeah coach Kale, yeah Ooh. and um the energy leading into that duel was was insane. Like the whole the whole day leading up to it, you can tell like their whole fan section and like that that whole uh mo pretty much everyone outside of our squad was expecting us to be like dethroned at that point because Nolf was out and they matched up really well with us and and on paper like they were gonna win no matter what. And the, but the energy from from our squad was like completely different. Like it was just it was so, so cool. Like everyone was just having a good time and like feeling really good about it and feeling motivated. And uh, so it was like cool to see the two perspectives and we were just so hyped going into it. And then you start off with the first match and uh, Carson uh, Kuhn tosses Tomasello in a headlock and like breaks the scoreboard and, and we all like freak out. <laughs> and that like start, starts it off from there. And then every single person like did the best that they can do. Like they all... If they can get a pin, they got a pin. If they if they could uh, not lose by you know more than a major, they they did that. It was like really cool to see everyone just step up and like because we needed everyone to do their absolute best that they can offer. Right. And, and then uh, for my match, yeah, I just remember this. The score was like 
Um, like it was, it was, if I lose, like the, the duel's over. Um, and, uh, against the number one guy in the country folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, coming off that crazy week and my body was just shot, but I was just, I was just like full of that, 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 that spiritual energy from like the crowd. And, uh, yeah, I ran out there to, to, uh, the, uh, theme song for, um, the Jersey shore soundtrack (laughs) (laughs) and uh was ready to go and then yeah just played the match smart and uh and i'm getting a dub but then the the crowd the arena went insane and uh and then then uh neville's uh gave snyder a good match and we won the duel and that was like yeah that was for sure the 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 best moment bro buckeye broken hearts galore that day (laughs) they were because i forgot that nolf was out because even with nolf in at yeah. the nationals, it was going to be a dog fight, but exactly. that dual meet. Okay. You're bringing yeah. it back now. Wow. It was insane. So after that, when you start that year, I'm sure do you guys have like a wrestle off in November at yeah. Penn state. So did you and Shakur wrestle off then and he won or. No, I, I wrestled uh, McCutcheon. Okay. Yeah. My McCutcheon there too. Um, so I don't think Shakur was healthy at that point. And then, uh, and then we had the, um, the scuffle, and uh he won that and then we had the the so it was like it was a, a lot going on and, and then throw mccutcheon in there too so yeah, yeah it, was, it was kind of a crazy year had you wrestled any varsity matches for penn state before that ohio state one yeah yeah i i, I wrestled a good amount i think i okay. was yeah maybe like i wrestled the majority of the matches up to that point oh you did okay gotcha so you're yeah. Shakur's injured he's banged up but he wins the scuffle so he's back in contention and then yeah. You get the nod there. I mean, and the crazy thing about this whole thing is you beat more, you, you help the team win the duel, and then you don't end up going to the Big Tens. Talk us through, was there a final wrestle-off, or what happened? No. Um, yeah, it was – well, yeah, it was kind of like a coach's decision, um, and he, he had the win from the wrestle-off and the scuffle, so um, – there was some a lot of stuff that went into it, but yeah, basically he got the nod, and that was that was super tough for me. But I was you know definitely pumped for him. Like we're we we're good friends at the time and still yeah. are. Um, but yeah, it was it was freaking tough, and I just already had my sights on like the next year from like at that moment. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a lot, and that just shows how tight you guys are there. That everyone like whatever Kale says, you, you go with it, and no matter what. But I mean that's just crazy to me that there wasn't another rest loss after you, after that big win. But so that's how it played out. Now, were there a couple of days where you're like real down about it? Or as soon as you heard you're going 2019, I'm solely focused on heavyweight. Yeah, I was, I was definitely down about it. Um, yeah, I, I felt like really good after that, that big win. And it kind of like re like reassured where I felt like I was at. Um, but there was also a level of like understanding. So yeah, it was, it was a couple of days of like going back and forth and, a lot of people were telling me to transfer and stuff and like that never that never crossed my mind um but uh yeah from there once like big tens was over and nationals was over it was like the day after like i i just i couldn't even take a break at that point because i like i just had that like taste of of number one and uh so i got right back at it and i knew i was gonna be be going heavyweight because that that cut was also um really taking a toll on me so um i started bulking up like the next day i mean I've had David Taylor on. He talks about when he went from 
was with 74 to 86. That took him like a year and a half to get used to that. And like, he got out of breath walking up the stairs sometimes. Yeah. Did you have any of those challenges bulking up? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's not fun. Uh, when you're putting on that much mass in that short of time, like I only had six months to, to be at my best, um, like 40 pounds heavier. So, uh, I couldn't have done it without coach Cal at the, with the training lab. Like he just dialed in everything for me, nutritionally lifting, um, all that. But yeah, right. When you start putting on mass quickly, your body is just not adapting. Well, like I would, I would start my practice and do one drill and I was exhausted and, <laughs> and, and, uh, I couldn't go more than like two hours without eating. I was just, just shoveling food down and, um, you know, it, it fit me well because, you know, I always wanted to be like big and strong and I'm, and I'm, and I'm good at like dialing in and, and, and bulking. Um, but it's a lot of effort. Um, you know, it's a little more, a little more fun than cutting weight, but it's way more effort because when you're cutting weight, you can have five or six hours goes by. And you didn't think about food and, and it's good. But um, when you're bulking, you're constantly thinking about, you know, bulking uh, of, of what you're putting in your body. And uh, so there was probably up until like the season started, I was feeling like trash, but I would, I would just push through like, and that, that helped me through the season because I was feeling so bad at that point. And I was still getting in all my workouts and working hard that once I started like adapting, my body was just like ready to go and I could push through anything. And you have that quickness of a lighter guy too. Like you're like, like, as you see guys move up, you know, if they rested at lower weights and you know, have mobility and hit those leg attacks. It's a whole nother kind of speed you're bringing to that weight class. Exactly. Yeah. I had the feel of, of wrestling at the lo- the lower weights that the heavyweight that most heavyweights just don't have. So I could scramble and be quick. And uh, that was like a huge advantage for sure. So how much weight do you think you actually gained? Do you think you put on like a good 20 or like a good 40? Like from like when you weren't cutting to 197, you like 215? Yeah. Yeah. So like 215. And then uh, I got up to like 240. And then, uh, and then my, as the season went on, I started losing a little bit. So then I leveled out at like 232, 233. So, wow. Uh, yeah. So what is that diet? Is it chicken and rice? Is it steak? All that. Yeah. yeah. Just everything. Just yeah. It's just a lot of all that stuff, like very similar diet to what I was eating at 197. Um, but then just like the quantity goes up tenfold. Uh, when you first start the bulk up, you got to like consume pretty much as much of, of everything because you want your frame to build up but then once you like get to, to competing you got to dial it back into like healthy but it's just a lot a lot of calories yeah and are you someone who does like the the sweet potatoes and the brown rice so you don't do any carbs yeah yeah when you're bulking yeah a lot of carbs um a lot of sweet potatoes white potatoes rice quinoa um fruits and vegetables all that stuff so yeah you you, you have to or your your muscle you'll, you'll lose your muscle and you mentioned coach kyle's helped you out with that we've talked about him a bunch in this podcast because back when aaron pico was out in california watching him do some of those workouts it's like that man is sinister what he does to people like he is a good word next level so did you actually start going out there and training with him um during college or only after college yeah like well, to the I, garage I, I, I didn't go out to the garage until, uh, yeah, probably towards the end of college, but I started working with coach Cal, um, like my junior year, uh, sophomore, junior year. And, uh, I just, I just took to like everything he was saying. I loved it. And, uh, we, go, we grew closer over the years and I just like ate it up and, uh, 
each year got more and more progressive with all of his stuff. And uh, then I started going out to the garage and, and learning about that level. Oof, yeah. Man, that bike, that bike yeah. is, oof, the killer. my God. And he doesn't Crazy. mess around, especially when we're just going out every now and then. He, he he wants to prove a point. So we're in there for hours and he's just killing us. But I love it. Man, that's yeah. crazy. So you start the season, um, 2019. You know, you're you're one of the top guys all year. Of course, we have the the great Gable Steveson is is in the background. He's looming around. Big mm-hmm. tens at Minnesota. Let's go. Your first time <laughs> scrapping with Gable. Did you ever wrestled him before that? Mm-hmm. No. Wow. What what was the feel like the first couple of periods? Um, I felt like he was big and strong and quick. Um, but. I also felt that way and I felt like we were kind of feeling each other out and uh, and it was nothing, nothing crazy. I was just kind of waiting for him to do what he's, he had been doing to everybody else and he wasn't striking too much. And then uh, he got a good takedown. And uh, by that point, the match was like towards the end and I, I was able to, to get one in like with a minute left and uh, secure the win. And, that match was more more of us kind of getting a feel for each other, and then the the following time we wrestled, he came out hard. And uh, oh, the semis! <laughs> he came out double underhooks. Yeah, yep. that was yeah, fun. So, so for people listening who don't remember this, at the Big Ten Finals, you give Gable his first loss of the season. You have one loss, so you're right there with them. And uh, yeah, that match, dude, double leg, about 15, 17 seconds left, and you rode him out like yeah. And he kind of stood up with two seconds left and almost like quit wrestling with like a second left. So, you know, you're watching that from afar thinking, okay, something's yeah. going on here. And then you get to the nationals and I don't know how this happened, but you guys are on the same side of the bracket. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and well. in that semis match, the ref gives a crazy stalling call right away. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was warranted. <laughs> it was kind of pushing me all over the map. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he came out like a, like a freaking train and I wasn't expecting it. Um, and uh, was pushed me all over. I got the stall on call and, and then I just kind of got focused. And I knew that if I, if I maintain this, this pace, um, I can, I can, I can maintain it forever. We can go as long as you want and uh, I'll still be there. But I knew that he he wouldn't be the same in the third period, and that was kind of the game plan. Wow, I mean, I don't. You might be the only person in the world with two wins over Gable, mm-hmm. and that's the whole world. So, I mean, it, unbelievable. Where are you at in the tunnel right before that match, knowing that your season's coming down to basically this match? Are you going uh, through like self talk? Are you staying calm? Where are you at with that? I think you remember the song. Uh, this is why I'm hot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're singing that, doing a little dance. I remember jamming out to that and uh, I think he like walked around the corner and uh, we we kind of met and then he just like walked back around and I was like jamming out to this is why I'm hot. So that's kind of where my mind was like, I was just, you're loose. Yeah, I was feeling good, feeling myself. And uh, I knew that I knew the preparation I, I, I had I had uh, put in and that's what always gives me like the most peace um, is just like re- reminding myself what I did to get to this point. And that no one, you know, did more or, um, you know, was more dialed in. And that's what really just frees me up. And then just the rest, just trusting to God in the result. And that just freed me up to just feel good. And then, you know, lock in when it's time to lock in. Man, that's awesome. It's just like shows how, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard this so many times with the Penn State guys. They just wrestle so loose under the big moments. And it's that match. It's it's really clear to see that, too, because 
I mean, you go out there and I don't know if he kind of was so hyped that he mm. was trying to catch you off guard, but you weathered the storm. You're in the pocket doing the rope a dope, yeah. as they say. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you get the win. And then in the finals, you major a guy who you had lost to that year. Yeah. It's like your confidence must have been crazy at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the coaches always have have us ready to peak and and I was feeling I was feeling good. And I, you know, the seeds were were interesting, but I I was actually happy about it because I, I, I got to, you know, even going into it, I was like, I'm happy that this is this is where it's at, because I get to prove that it wasn't, you know, a fluke that I beat this this guy and Gable in the semis. And then I get to avenge my only loss in the finals and that finals match. You know, I was I was dialed in in every area and i really wanted to prove that that uh i was better than him and uh ended up getting the, the major so i was uh you know i was pumped about that bro there was no way you were losing that one after yeah. the semis ah. win. Yeah. <laughs> that so. was uh that was that was awesome to see and you know when you when you finally get the get the win you know like a lot of people say after the olympics or after a big moment there's a little bit of a letdown did you experience that or did you just keep on going right through um, I kept it going just because I had that, that goal of, uh, of the Olympics. And so that was enough to like, I had maybe a week or two to, uh, enjoy it. And, and I really felt like a weight was lifted off me from that five year period leading up. But then I was, yeah, I think I went to Cali like the, the week later to train in the garage. So I was, I was dialed back in. Bro, what kind of family party did you get thrown after you won? <laughs> you come home, you got aunts and uncles coming over. You got some teachers oh, yeah. coming by. It was great. Yeah, the, the the town threw me like a a um huge party and uh had the whole family and uh you know Long Island Jersey. It was it was great. It was great just it was great to give them that moment too because uh I brought them a lot through uh through those years too. Well, like you said though, the whole family went in, kind of all of our <laughs> money chip all chips in freshman year. So you're not only representing yourself in Penn State, but also everyone who's believed in you. Exactly. Exactly. And that was that was like probably one of the best feelings. Um, and I was, I got choked up given uh, like my speech after uh, explaining and going through like that, what I was explaining to you and uh, it just kind of all, you know, kind of all hit me. And it was just like, so cool that, that my, my family believed in me enough and that I was able to pull through for them. When I think, I don't know if this is the same speech you're talking about, but one of the articles I found said that I think someone said, like, you know, how has Coach Sanderson impacted you? And you said that his advice is be clear in what you want and then, you know, have gratitude as you're going through it on the journey. You yeah. know, so when, exactly. you, when, when you talk, when you hear that, that that's the advice he gave you, you know, is that something that's pretty consistent with what you were taught during your time there and that that's a big philosophy for him? Be clear in what you want. Yeah, 100%. Um, he preaches that all the time and it's hard to, to get anything in in this world if you're not very clear on what that thing is. And I think that's kind of like a, a no brainer, but most people don't even think about it. It's like, Oh, I want this and this and that. Um, and then you're just kind of like floating. And uh, unless you like really make it clear and be specific about it, um, it's hard for, you know, God and the universe to help you get there. Um, and so being super clear on that and then gratitude's, you know, the basis for everything. Uh, you can't get anything else without that that mindset of just being grateful, grateful for what you have, grateful for the good and the bad, um, grateful to God for all that he's given you. And uh, from there, you can you can progress towards anything else. And, you know, outside of Coach Kale, who's obviously the architect of everything, you mentioned you work with Coach Farner a lot. And that's someone I don't know a ton about. 
what kind of a impact has he had or what's like the one thing you take away from your years with coach Varner? Yeah. Coach Varner, I think doesn't get enough credit. Like he, like, like I said, he worked with me for the first two years I was there like nonstop. And then we trained together and then he became my coach. So he was like my training partner and uh, we, we were more like competitors for that first two or three years. Um, but he didn't have to train with me. Right. I was a young guy coming in and he was trying to win another Olympic title. Um, but thankfully I was giving him enough, you know, work and, and good feel. And I was in there grinding to where he felt like it was probably helping him out too. Um, but the one thing, the biggest thing that I can remember, um, that he helped me out with was just, I remember sitting down with him before my senior year and we had just worked out and, uh, he was just telling me like, Hey, you know, this, this, this journey goes fast, doesn't it? And I was like, yeah, for sure. You know, this is already my senior year. And uh, he was like, well, if you want to be the man, then just go be the man. And uh, I remember that. I remember that quote. And uh, I remember reminding myself that like before those big moments is like at this point, you know, I've I've done the work and I I want to be the man. So let's just go out there and be the man. And that's the that's the kind of energy I took out into each of those big matches is like, this is my mat. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do what I please and 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 take what I want. And so he was super helpful with just the mindset and then giving me the confidence um, that I could roll with with anyone because he was super strong, super hard to move, um, good technique. And so, like, I would warm up with him before matches. And I knew that if I could, like, get some movement out of him and get to my shots, like, there was no college heavyweight that I, I, I wasn't going to be able to move through. Bro, when you're a young man, the first time you put your hands on Varder, it must have been like, dude, oh how God. am I ever going to wrestle at this level? Yeah. 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 He was super strong. And he had these big old traps at the time. He was just cleaning every day. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was like one of the only dudes that, uh, cause I didn't watch much wrestling, like, like growing up, but he was one of the only dudes that I, I saw. And I was like, dang, I kind of want to be like that dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how you say you didn't watch much wrestling growing up. You were kind of like, you were in it, but you weren't all the way in it until you, until you committed. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how it was. So you weren't the guy coming in like right on off stats, telling talking about no, like no, you didn't no. know any of that. No, that was all Bo and Nolf and and they're they're <laughs> talking about all all the stats and what they're gonna do this and that. And I was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like big wrestling junkies. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Dude, when we had a you know we had just had Bo on and I watched that finals. I think it was 2018 when he pinned Miles Martin in the finals. Knowing you guys were roommates, man, where were you at for that moment? I was back home. I remember with my family and uh, that was like a tough, a tough uh, nationals for me, obviously, because I didn't get the nod. So you but, didn't go at all. You're back no. home with the family. Wow. Yeah. That'd yeah. be, like you said, tough emotional time. Yeah, super emotional. But that I remember that moment, I just forgot everything and I just like freaked out and it was like, it was absolutely amazing. And I just kind of forgot about all my BS um, it was like the coolest moment ever. Man. Yeah. That, that was a, uh, you kind of forget about just the team race and everything that went into it. And, and the fact that, you know, miles had previously beat him. So, I mean, a lot of people, they just remember Bo nickel, just, just slamming dudes. Right. So, uh, that, yeah, that, that was a cool moment. Yeah. It was so cool, especially cause he was taken down to his back and the, the like dramatic of everything was just insane. Wild man. Now, I've never been in the Penn State room, but I've seen pictures where they have national the pictures of the national champs on the wall. And you had visualized you said that you visualize seeing yourself up there. 
Mm-hmm. I love talking about visualization. Is it something where you had like a set time of the day where you would visualize or just kind of throughout the day whenever it ha- you had free time? It was pretty much after every workout. Um, I would just I would just finish it off with that, you know, sit down and just, uh, you know, look up at the wall and just visualize my my picture being there, um, visualize being on top of the podium. And uh, like I said, just feeling those emotions. Um, and it, it feels it feels good to do. You know, it, it, it kind of gives puts you into a different mindset and uh, makes you want to do more and continue continue on the path. And it's huge for, you know, closing that distance um, to, to get into that, that as your reality. Does it make it less surprising when it actually happens? Like when you finally are the champ? Yeah. It's a, it's a weird feeling when you consistently do it because, uh, it feels awesome, but then like you don't feel as much of like a surprise, um, which is how it should be. Like if you really want something and you're, and you're preparing for it, it shouldn't be like a total surprise when you get it. And so all those moments like going through, they felt amazing, but it's like, I've been here a thousand times. So this just feels as amazing as it did when I was sitting in the room and visualizing it and your brain can't tell the difference between the two. Right. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't know what, what, what you're imagining uh, versus your reality. It's still going to feel those emotions if you're doing it right. And so um, that's, it, I think that's, that, that's why it works. And you, you've mentioned this a couple of times, but something I kind of forgot about is you got to not only see it, but you got to feel the emotion while you're doing it. That's, that's important to you. Yeah. So the, I, I, I read a lot on, uh, on visualization and, and manifesting and, um, the common theme is along with visualizing it, if you don't attach a feeling to it, um, or if you're doing like an affirmation, um, you know, and just like projecting who you, who you want to be and who you are if you don't attach a strong feeling to it, um, it doesn't really translate. Wow. And I know people are going to ask, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do you have any books that you, that you love during that cat in that topic or any books that you've read that really get you, get you going there? Yeah, I got some right here. Um, first one is probably, it's called wishes fulfilled. This one's good. Okay. Um, I got, A few. That's I've heard what. you mention Chop Wood Carry Water. Chop Wood Carries Water is a good one. Uh, I like this one, Grit by uh Angela Duckworth is a good one. Um, yeah, if, if you just search up uh affirmations and manifestation and uh law of attraction and that kind of stuff, um, some really interesting, interesting, interesting things there. Some some people see it as kind of like a out there a voodoo, but there's some underlying principles that if you really focus in on um, are huge. I just started using this one. Uh, I just actually just got this one. It's like a kind of like a journal, but it's called the uh, project three, six, nine. And uh, it's like a manifestation type type of uh, journal. So yeah, I, I, I like all that stuff. If it, if, it, if it helps, why not? Yeah. I love it too. Like the, uh, what's that movie, the secret and people downplay that. I'm like, listen, yeah, if you don't work, it's not going to work. Right. If you just visualize, you're not going to do shit. But if you do visualization with the work, it it can help. It can help a lot. And there's a book I have. I used to take it to work with me and people would think I was like some, like, like you said, voodoo, like, like this is too woo woo, but it's called you are the placebo. Okay. And in this book, it goes through like several examples where like five people had AC torn ACLs. Two people had the real ACL surgery. Three people had a little cut on their knee. 
Like mm-hmm. We're given a cut, but no actual surgery. And somehow the knee was still healed. Now, listen, I used to tell this story in the office and people would think I was a lunatic <laughs> and that, that, that I was like buying some like pyramid scheme book. But <laughs> <laughs> this book is really solid. And it's along those lines. And it's just like, man, there's a lot of power up there. I don't think we know how much power is in the mind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Uh, like I said, the brain doesn't really know the difference between the two. So if you can truly imagine it and, and, and visualize it, whatever it is, um, it can really, it can really change a lot of things for you. Yeah. Now I'm sure you're applying these same tactics and techniques to your MMA career. You had the, there were some rumors of you coming back. Then there were some rumors of you, you know, doing the Olympics and obviously the senior nationals, you had the shoulder injury. That's when you bowed out of wrestling. Um, now you're fully focused on MMA. How did you decide to go with American top team? So, um, Bo was kind of the first one he developed a relationship with uh, Dan Lambert and our manager um, with first round Malky Kawa. And uh, those guys, I ended up meeting them and we, we all hit it off and uh, they helped uh, Bo start the the gym in, in state college. And uh, it just kind of, it just kind of all fell into place. Like it just made sense. And uh, Dan was super passionate about making a gym out here for us to kind of have the flow of the wrestlers and, and, really make America top team, like the top team. And, uh, it just, we just bought into it and, uh, they helped us with good coaches and, and setting it all up for us. So it was kind of a no brainer at that point. They just kind of committed to us. Wow. It's awesome. And like, you, you see that gym next to Penn state, you're like, that's yeah. going to be a breeding ground for champions for oh, years yeah. to come. What's yeah. your, uh, what's the day in the life look like for you these days now that you're uh fully focused on MMA? So uh, we're usually training in the morning there every morning um, around nine. We'll do uh, MMA training, whether it's, you know, boxing, jitsu, um, uh, Muay Thai, all that. And then uh, still, I'm still going over to rec hall and training with the NLWC and the college guys pretty much every day. Oh, uh, you are? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still wow. part of yeah. So still with NLWC and uh, I got back, you know, wrestling a couple months ago once I was fully healed and. So yeah, in there, in there every day, whether I'm lifting or recovering or, um, or wrestling. So that's pretty much the, the two sessions. And then, uh, other than that, it's just recovering and getting ready for the next day. Real estate mogul investing, plan your, plan your, plan your, your world out. So you said something very interesting. You're back with the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club. Does that mean when you're working out, like you're doing like the rest of their workout, you're going through it all? Or are you doing like a side workout with gloves on? You're kind of making a hybrid approach. Or are you going full freestyle when you're in there? Yeah, just just pure wrestling. Um, I think uh, wow, a lot of the top wrestlers that, that have gone to MMA have uh, gotten away from their wrestling. And, uh, you know, it's you know it's easy to fall in love with striking. It's fun. And uh, I definitely want to some, sleep some dudes. Um, but I think it's a mistake to get away from the pure wrestling, like the guys like Khabib and, um, you know, GSP and a couple other guys that stick to the pure wrestling, I think dominate really well because it's hard to, to match that and like, um, imitate it in in a fight. And so, um, I definitely want to keep that skill and make sure I can still dog guys if I have to. It's funny you say that because Askren, I don't know, a couple of years ago, random podcast, he said that same thing when he first got into MMA, he wasn't wrestling at all. Cause he thought he just had the skills. Mm-hmm. I think he got into like a college workout with his brother and he's like, man, I'm like way off my game. My timing sucks. Like everything's different. So ever since then, you know, record has it that he was focusing on wrestling just as much as striking and jujitsu, like an actual wrestling workout, kind of like what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I find that too. 
Um, you gotta, you gotta be in there a couple of times a week, you know, training with those, with those top guys and feeling the full wrestling workout. You can't just be like doing it with MMA or you, you're going to, you're going to lose it and lose that shape. So yeah, that, that's the plan to, uh, to keep that up. Man, you guys got Greg Kirklevit in there. That dude, that dude's, oh, yeah. that dude's scary, man. He must be a special talent. What What's he feel like? Oh yeah. He's a big freaking strong dude. <laughs> I think he's bigger and stronger than he even, th- he even realizes. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited for him this year. I think, uh, I think it'll be, be uh, you know, right, right in that top spot. So I'm, I'm pumped for him. Now I got to ask, you're still working out. Is there any chance at all of Paris 2024 or are you, have you, I mean, I'm just asking man, or <laughs> have you written that off? Um, Right now um, I'm, really excited about mma like that's my main focus right now we'll see as my shoulder starts like it's feeling really good right now as i start like doing more and more live goes and and feeling it out but as of right now no hopefully i'll be you know in the ufc fight for the title at that point i love it i love it last question man well last question before we get to the final last question are you uh have you gotten used to the gi or do you go full no gi for jujitsu workouts full no gi yeah Bro, yeah. the gi is horrible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to put that thing on. That's funny, man. <laughs> and I think I think the the no gi definitely translates um, a lot better for MMA. So maybe maybe I'll try it a little bit here and there. But no gi is the focus right now. Perfect, man. Well, it's it's been an honor to have you. The last question we ask everyone is: How did wrestling change your life? You're still in the thick of it, man. But you've seen some ups and downs and kept the faith the whole way. So. You know, if a little kid comes up to you and they ask you why, why would they get involved with wrestling? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, it's taught me so much. Like you said, the all the ups and downs, and it's just taught me humility, um, you know, discipline, self belief, and really just staying true to myself through all of the craziness is probably the biggest thing. And that's just life, right? Like, um, stay true to who you say you are. Um, always trying to become a better version of of that image and um and then you know fighting through every every single up and down and with wrestling it's very apparent right you lose a match or you get hurt or um this and that and and it's there for the world to see but uh, i think it translates to to life and that's helped me with you know whether it's real estate or mma now or my faith is is just fighting through that um trusting in god having grit and gratitude through it all and I think um, wrestling is a great teacher for, for for all that stuff. I love how, like you said, it makes you have some honest reflection with yourself too. Like like early on, maybe you weren't doing what you what you sh- what yeah. your image reflected, right? So it, it's it's a mirror like that, and you a lot of times people don't get that direct reflection, you know, without yeah. sports. Yeah, it's it's a super pure version of it too. Maybe you can hide even more from that stuff in in other sports, but. Uh, not with wrestling. <laughs> oh, not with Jake Farner across the map from you, slapping you around, man. That's That would wake anyone up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Anthony, sure. it's been great to have you, my friend. We wish you nothing but the best. We're all going to be watching your MMA debut, debut and uh, just can't wait for the future for you, man. I appreciate it, brother. This was great, so thanks a lot. Yes, sir, man. Have a great one. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode with Anthony Kassar. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to frogninjawrestlingclub.com and register for their preseason kickoff camp if you're out in the Oxford, PA area. It's frogninjawrestlingclub.com. For all past episodes, go to wrestlingchangemylife.com. We'll see you on Wednesday with a new episode with Jared Freyer. Peace!